Hey everybody, welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. Dr. Ryan Molly here, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, entrepreneur, business owner, most importantly, loving husband and father of three very young and busy boys. And today I have a very special guest. Uh, really been looking forward to this episode. I think you guys are going to uh, gather a lot of information uh, from this. It's an incredible friend, but also a colleague. Uh, she is an internal medicine physician right here in Erie, Pennsylvania, and uh, just has a great life story, has a great husband, two great boys, and just so excited to share this story. And uh, without further ado, Dr. Archana Anand, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, we've been talking about this for a while, yes, right? And yes. it's good to finally get you on. And what we always do when we first start these episodes is people want to hear about you, kind of like mm. where you're from and kind of your upbringing, a little bit about your family, your parents, siblings, mm -hmm. um, what kind of drew you towards your career of medicine mm -hmm. and kind of your path along the way with maybe undergrad, med school mm -hmm. and your, your jobs. So yeah. let's yeah. hear it. Well, uh, my name is Archana. Um, it's, I'm from India. Um, so I guess most of my friends know that. They call me Arch. I was, uh, well, I was born in a small town in rural North India. It's, um, uh, it's a farming town. Most of the people are farmers. My um, dad's family, uh, so they have five brothers, sisters. Only my father went to college. So everybody else, they still have farmlands, the same area. So population less than... 40,000 at the time. It was a very small town. Um, not too many um, options when it comes to schooling, um, like, like good schooling. Of course, there were schools. Uh, my mom uh, is a teacher, uh, like was a teacher at the time, um, and my father was a lawyer. I grew up with two brothers. I was a middle child, only girl. The so, rose between the thorns, right? <laughs> so yes, I did get a lot of special treatment, especially my dad. Uh, I had a great uh, relationship with him. Like he would buy me 
snacks behind my brother's back. He would hide them and then give it to me later. Sounds like favoritism. <laughs> yes. It, well, it was slightly, yes. Um, oh, I miss him. But um, at the time, you know, like being from a small town, my parents, I mean, they, they were educated. So they wanted a better school for us. Um, so in India, like th three hours drive from where I lived, um, we had this nice elite boarding school where you need an entrance to get in. It, it, it was, and it's, um, that's what my parents decided. Uh, my brother, my older brother and I, um, we, well, we did the entrance. The entrance had um, a written exam, a physical exam, and an interview. And they were four weeks apart from each other. So it took three months. Wow. So the preparation, I still remember preparing to get into that boarding school. And, uh, well, interview, when I reached the, the interview stage, the principal at the time asked me, one of the questions was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wanted to be a pilot at the time. So <laughs> it's pilot was always, I think it was just the, um, the, heroics you saw with it yeah. and just it, it just seemed great and, Were you and thinking I still, like commercial airline pilot or no i wanted to be i wanted to go to air force indian oh, air wow. force yeah so um so the, uh, just starting like childhood yes i had different goals and I've, so my um i was eight and a half eight to nine years old when i was when i started my um, journey at boarding school that was fourth grade for me um and this this was a sports school so the focus was, um, I would say, 60% sports, 40% academics. Oh, wow. So our mornings started pretty much waking up at 5 with the whistle in your ears. Uh, it was, yes, old school, like <laughs> whistle, loud screeching whistle. Um, and then so before we started school, we had an hour and a half of sports. So for me, we had to pick a game, like a sport. So I, for me, it was swimming. Um followed by school, then again, we had like homework, everything till four, after that again, sports. So, and you were only allowed to pick one sport. So we pretty much did three and a half hours. Oh, wow. Out of that one hour, you could count as, you know, some conditioning, running, exercise. Sure. But at least two hours of one sport a day. Wow. So, um, How many kids were in a class? Uh, so this was, we had like one, uh, like fourth class had three sections to it. And each section had about 26 kids. Okay. So I would say about 75 to 80 kids. For your grade. For one grade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but very like that, I, I feel like those are some of my best years looking back. Although the first three months I hated my parents. <laughs> it's like, why did they send me here? Yeah. Just homesick. Um, Were you there from fourth and? Until 10th grade. Okay. Yeah. So, um, again, that's the time I felt I developed this. Um, I mean, I didn't like sports at the time, but I think that just developed my habits. Mm -hmm. Waking up, like made me a morning person, um, basically. Taught you um, discipline. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that, that's, you know, in the, now, even now, it does not need motivation for me. It's just a habit. Yeah. I don't feel motivated every day, but if I don't do it, then it's just doesn't feel right. Um, so my older brother was there with me. He was just a year ahead. Um, after like 10th grade, 11th and 12th, I moved closer um, to be with my parents. So unfortunately, like sports does not have 
a good future in India, as opposed to if I did the same level of sports here, I feel I would have done like well. Yeah. Because in India, I made it to nationals. So I represented my state. Now, if I did sports at that level here, I feel I would have gotten more out of it or more opportunities sure. to play later in college. Yeah. Um, but after 10th grade, it just abruptly stopped. Because then, you know, um, especially in the culture I grew up in, it's, um, it's very important to have a degree, like a doctor or an engineer or something mm -hmm. on that level. So my parents were, um, okay, after 12th grade, you have to do this common entrance test. That's what you do for med school. So you can go to med school right after high school. Okay. You don't need the There's three years no of college. No. Now, how long is your medical school training? So medical school would be five and a half years, including one year of internship. Okay. So after the four and a half years of med school, you pick uh, the inter internship. You are required to do part of it in the rural India to get that exposure. And then the specialties of your liking, okay. basically. Um, so 11th and 12th were the years where I felt uh, really suddenly stopping sports. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I felt looking back, I wish I wouldn't have done that because suddenly those two years I put on 20 to 20 pounds almost more than that, mm -hmm. maybe <laughs> because it was all about studying and just sure. academics completely. Um, so uh, started medical school. And I, I, I didn't feel good. So at the I picked up again my, um, like, thankfully there was a gym nearby. I started going again. So, uh, so Were you I'm, swimming just, again or just? No, unfortunately there was no access to the pool. Okay. Um, so I, but I just got into other activities like running more so. Okay. And uh, resistance training, weightlifting. Um, so after med school, I did about two years of work, maybe one to two years again in rural India. I was still deciding what I wanted to do uh, because the postgraduate there, which is similar to residency here, mm -hmm. it's, believe it or not, is much harder. There are about 30,000 postgraduate seats in whole India and there are more than 2 million kids applying for that. Oh my goodness. So it's huh. much more competitive. Is that, is that general medicine? That's, that the, includes uh, MD, MS. MS would be surgery. And then okay. after MS, you super specialize. What else do you want to do? But sure. basic would be the MS. Wow. And then the surgical specialties. Just like here, yeah. general surgery, and then you specialize. So how many so, years of residency did you do there? So, no, I did not do residency there. So I was, like I said, I was still deciding between, after my med school, actually you could work there. So I was just working for a year. And what were I you saw, doing? Uh, I was working in a hospital, like a rural hospital, okay. as a general, like a practitioner, okay. as you GP, as you, you would say. Um, so you were so, able to do that before yes, doing yeah. a residency. So you can do, do that with that degree. We, what we call that, he, uh, like here, med school, there we call that MBBS, so which is bachelor in medicine, bachelor in surgery. So that's MBBS. That's the... Uh, so you can still practice even after MBBS because okay. you have enough training to do that. Got it. Um, so once, but then I saw my brother, um, I saw what he did. So my older brother is a physician as well. He did his uh, USMLEs, 
like part one, two, three, came to New York. So the pathway was very clear to me what he did. Mm -hmm. It was just clear, like, okay, I have to do this part one, part two, then come to US, do the step three, right. apply for residency. It just seemed so much more um, well-defined. It's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's easy. I know the books which you know to read. Yeah. So that's how, um, you know, it, it's, it's like I said, it was easier for me to do that than doing the postgraduate in India. So two years after your medical school there, you worked, then you moved to the United States. Yes, yes. And were you living, studying here for that, or were you doing all of that over in India, like before well, residency? Well, the USMLE step one and two, I did while uh, staying in India. Okay. So I could st uh, study there, do the exam online. Sure. Um, the step three, you had to come here because that's the clinical assessment. Yeah. So I, I did do that. I came on a student visa. Um, at the time then, uh, you know, my brother was in New York, so I stayed with him. Uh, I could apply for residencies mm -hmm. at the time after my step three. Um, so my residency then, um, so during all this time, I had also already met my husband mm -hmm. and he was in Pittsburgh. So, of course, my residency focus was Pittsburgh. I'm going to save yeah. my, how did you guys meet <laughs> for the personal question? I'll, I'll give you a heads up. Um. Yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> so, um, applied resi for residencies, came to Pittsburgh. I wanted to do OBGYN because in India, again, OBGYN for a female is very respectable. Though personally, I never enjoyed that blood. It was always made me queasy. Sure. But... Um, I, I, I got an opportunity to do an observership at the OBGYN department here, West, West Penn Hospital. That's okay. where Anand was. Uh, so um, I didn't so do that. So that's well. how you guys met? Or? Uh, no, I already knew him before. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the observership, I hated OBGYN. Just, yes, the baby is great, but I just... the. I, I just yeah. couldn't do it. Um, you do not need to explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot that I was able to check off the list before I even did the rotation. Although I did get to know Anand better during that time. Yeah. yeah. Was he in attending? Um, he was a fourth year. Okay. At the time, yes. Um, I hated the nights because I don't know how OBGYNs do it. Like they can sleep anytime. They can wake up anytime. It's, yeah. it's, it's They're difficult. They're living by the pager, right? Right. I feel trauma and OBGYN are most difficult it takes a very special unique personality to do that right and just the call staying 24 hours in the hospital no, not for me that's yes yeah, same um so uh at the same time i did intern like family actually i got into family practice residency finally at the west bend hospital it was just easy for me anand was there i got in um it was great you know yeah. close at the end of first year uh, the family practice residency at West Penn Hospital lost its accreditation. It, clo it closed. The program closed pretty much. So, oh, wow. So we were, um, we were five of us, I believe. I don't remember exactly. Yes, but we were five of us. And suddenly, so this is post-match now because you can't, I, the re applications are already done. Yeah. And uh, so I'm applying through post-match scramble. Yeah, I was going to say the scramble. It's, the dreaded scramble. It's, uh, it's um, so stressful. So I still remember I'm on, <laughs> I'm at the, at the house. I've pretty much lost hope here. I'm like, okay, doesn't look like what I'm going to do is just take this year off and then reapply next year. Um, 
just then my brother, my older brother, he was also looking for a spot for me. Um, like, okay, I see there's an internal medicine spot at Allegheny General Hospital. That's like six miles from you. Just, uh, okay, I've already applied there. I didn't hear back. Like, okay, I want you to just go in. Just go. It's like you're in Pittsburgh. Just, just go there. Just walk in. Yes. So I like your brother because that's what I would have told you to do too. Yes. I mean, and, and that's the only reason I went. Uh, yeah, he's, um, he's great. So I, he pushed me. I took my folder, all my recommendation letters, everything in there. And you brought um, your tent and you were like, yeah. I'm going to camp out here. Yes. Until you accept me, <laughs> I'm going to bring a camp, camp firewood yeah. in here. We're going to do s'mores. Yeah. And Eventually you're going to accept me. So uh, thankfully it didn't take that long, but I went there and uh, Patty, our residency um, our coordinator, she, that's the first person I met. Um, she's like, okay, Dr. James Riley, our program director, he was rounding. She's like, okay, uh, he's rounding. You're welcome to wait here. He uh, walked in. He crossed me like I'm sitting. He crossed me, went to his office. And then five minutes later, he called me. Um, he's, I'm so nervous. Like, okay, I'm meeting the program director. Here's my folder. And I'm, I explained the whole situation to him, what happened. Um, he's like, okay, Archana, welcome to the program. <laughs> That's all. That was it? <laughs> that was it. So- <laughs> You were nervous for that? I was so nervous. And he didn't know it was going to be that easy. Right. I I didn't realize that's all sometimes you need to do is just take the action. And and it's it's just a story. Like I always look back because that changed my life at the time. Just that one hour, because here I am sitting in my basement at home, just being like down on myself and... If I had just not gone there, like really, I would have been, I, I don't know. You would have been taking a year of right, yeah. working at Starbucks. and <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I love the yeah. fact that you, you kind of pointed that out like action, right? So yeah. there was a Steve Jobs, and I'm, I'm not going to quote it perfectly here, but I, I saw a quote where he was just talking about, you know, 95%, I don't even remember the percent, but it was a very large percent mm-hmm. of the time People don't succeed because they don't ask the question. They just assume True. it's a True. no. True. The, the spot's already filled, the this, mm-hmm. the that. He goes, if people just, it's mm-hmm. like paralysis by analysis. Like you can keep, oh, this isn't going to work out because of this, or this isn't going to work. You can be a Debbie Downer. You can be a glass mm-hmm. half empty type of guy. Right, and then, right. but just yeah. going in there. I like, think I've read that story. Uh, he called the, the HP. Uh, CEO and asked for if he if they had any extra parts. I mean Steve Jobs. Yeah. And I don't know if it was Mr. Hewlett or Packard. I don't know, but they laughed at him. They sent him the parts and also invited him. He was a high school kid at the time to do an internship. Oh wow! So I've I've read that story yeah. that he. I didn't know the backstory behind yes. that, but yeah. Well, you thirsty? So, yes. So I know, so Archon is doing, and I want you to kind of explain it, 75 hard, and she's on day 74. 74. So yeah. one of the things is no alcohol. So tonight we're going to oh, have a nice, perfect. refreshing lime Thank Perrier. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah, so 75 hard is one of my friends um, was doing it. Actually, he's my inspiration on this. You might know him, Brian Gilday. He, uh, he's from Meadville. Um, what a name. Um, Gilday construction okay. thing, but a- anyways, he cheers, is my. Oh, cheers! Let me open this. 
Nice and refreshing. It tastes great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has been, uh, he was doing it and I needed, um, uh, by the way, I was training for triathlons. This is our triathlon group, the Erie Triathlon Group. That's how I have this nice, great group of people I train with. Uh, supportive, everybody. You know, whenever you find time, we swim together, run, bike together. Uh, but when I saw him doing it, I felt I needed, I, I call it an organized disruption in my life. Okay. I needed that because I, I it was all about weekend socializing, drinking, next morning waking up with a headache, wasting time in the morning. Yeah. So the one day is just gone when you uh, when that happens. So I, I I did I didn't need that. So it was um it involves two forty five minute workouts, a gallon of water a day. You have to read ten pages of a non fiction book. Uh, it cannot be um a podcast, you have to read 10 yeah. pages. So no audiobooks. No audiobooks. Yeah. Um, and um, it, no alcohol, cheat meals. Um, it's all you, natural food too, right? Right. You have to follow a certain diet, but it does not focus on weight loss. Right. Um, you just do what I felt. For me, I felt I was not getting enough veggies. So just try to make it healthier. Yeah. I, I felt I was already eating healthy um, but for me, it was more for mental strength and just staying off, following something through. And so th- I've really enjoyed doing it. I, I like I might even stick with it. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's She's great. day 74. Um, <laughs> my PA, Jake Snyder, yes. he did 75 hard along with his sister and I think a couple other people. Okay. And as I was telling you beforehand, he actually incorporated an ice bath into it. Wow. And he was doing this in the middle. It of was winter. not hard I, enough. I think he started like January. It was probably like a New Year's. resolution type thing but yes so um you've you've watched at least one or two episodes right i think you saw uh dr david hutzel's and dr matthew zims Mm -hmm. so um you're my third physician on here i've had almost as many attorneys as i have physicians and at one point (laughs) i had more attorneys than physicians but i one of the my favorite things about this project mm-hmm. is that it's all walks of life. Last night I recorded mm-hmm. an episode with one of my dearest high school friends, Ryan Ray. He runs, um, uh, he ran an engineering department, but mm. also runs um, like a, a manufacturing department now. Oh, wow. Himself. And and uh, we were high school buddies. But um, as you know, we do a Q&A session. It's kind mm-hmm. of a mutually beneficial mm-hmm. um, type of interview process so you're going to ask me six questions three of which are business mm-hmm. three of which are personal and then i'm going to do the same back to you the one thing that i always tell all my you know mm-hmm. um guests that come on here is you do have the opportunity to veto one question if you don't like it but you would go down in history as the first person to ever <laughs> veto a question so no, no pressure archana all so, right you ready you're, you're going to start I'm first ready. so business questions uh, okay. Well, I, as you and I both know, like this question has always like it's bothered all physicians go through this, but physicians have some of the highest stress in their lives. Um, I mean, there is such high uh, rate of depression, um, actually substance abuse, suicide rates. It's so high. N- number one. Did you know that we just right. took the number one spot? Highest suicide rate. In the United States, by profession, is now 
physicians. It was dentists for a long time. And do you know who has the highest suicide rate amongst all those physicians? No, I did not. Unfortunately, it's orthopedic surgeons. 28% of physician suicides are orthopedic surgeons. Oh, wow. Almost a third. That's hard to believe. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. It's such a sought after specialty too. Like yeah, I, I can't. I don't know the rationale behind that, but I literally just read that article two days ago. Mm. So, but I'll let you finish your question. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. So, but I felt like you have been in an employed uh, position after fellowship, I believe, although for a short time, and you are you have your own like private setup now. How do you feel you? I mean, daily stress, we live in such an angry world, uncertain, you know, litigious, like, how do you feel you protect your practice or yourself or your co like your partners Mm -hmm. from that burnout? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm not going to say I have all the answers, but I think for me that the easiest way to answer that is to say that I absolutely love what I do. So, um, you know, there's, there's, again, I, I'm into big quotes and things like that, but, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who it was. It may have been Walt Disney or something like that, that basically was saying, um, you know, if you dream it, you can, if you believe it, yeah. uh, or if you dream it, you can do it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for me, if I can just go to work and look forward to it every day, I think the burnout rate is significantly lower. So real quick, Update. So right after fellowship, I was private practice for a year okay. in Michigan, flipped over to an employed uh, physician model for years two and three. Hmm. Then I was so miserable, flipped back into private practice, same practice. I never, I never actually left my practice. Hmm. I still had, they weren't technically partners, business partners, but we were more collegial partners. Right, right. Uh, three other orthopedic surgeons. They were owners of the practice. So I still stayed there. They made out well because um, they would get uh, financial support from the hospital mm-hmm. uh, for rent as well as staff. So it really reduced their overhead significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, they paid for x-rays and things like that too. So it, it made sense. They were, I think, disappointed when mm-hmm. I chose to do that. And then when I realized um, that the grass was not mm-hmm. always greener. And and for every physician, I think it's very different. depends upon your personality and I sure. learned very early, literally like probably week one, mm-hmm. that I was not employable. I'm just, yeah. I'm too far off the reservation for that. Um, I, and, and I think there's multiple reasons for that. Um, number one, I'm very, autonomy is is probably one of the most valuable things to me. Um, and, and control, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to kind of mm-hmm. do what you want to do and treat mm-hmm. your patients the way you want to treat it. Because that's how I would honestly recommend or treat my mom or my dad. And then just to be pulled into somebody's office and sat down by an administrator and be told like blatant lies of you're losing us money. And I'm like, all right, I'm not stupid. I wasn't born yesterday. I'm not an accountant, but I know that my service line makes your hospital tens of millions of dollars per year. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, it it was just some brainwashing. I didn't like the fact that I felt there there just wasn't trust. There there wasn't trust. I think it probably both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like once they realized that I was kind of like, a headache for, yeah. for them. Um, they realized that, okay, it's, it's hard to trust him and, and mm-hmm. vice versa. But I mean, they were trying to kind of cheat me out of RVUs. And for those of you that don't know what an RVU is, say my mom's watching RVU stands for relative value unit um, for each type of either procedure, or if you're seeing a patient in the office, 
you would be uh, allotted a particular RVU. Say like a total knee replacement would be roughly maybe 25, 26 RVUs. Seeing a new patient consultation mm-hmm. would be probably a fraction mm-hmm. of, yeah, right. of, of a percent, yeah. um, but or a fraction or of an five. RVU. Mm-hmm. But then for each subspecialty, mm-hmm. you get paid a certain dollar amount per RVU. Mm-hmm. So that when you, and most physicians are salaried, right? Employed. And right. then they have productivity bonuses based upon RVU. So mm-hmm. that didn't work out. So long story short, went back to private practice, took a massive pay cut. Literally, I was, I went from making this to yeah. one third of that. See, that step right there, that I feel was a huge step. Like, I feel that's the biggest step right it, there. Right there. I didn't even bat an For eye someone at someone to do that. Uh, because that's really it. Like if you are able to do that and go through that hard phase, like you built everything up from zero. We, we had two young boys at that point, um, we, but we weren't living outside of our means, right? We had a, a modest home. It was very nice. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but we got a really good deal on it. It was a short sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in a beautiful neighborhood. We were close to Karen's um, mom, dad, and cousins, and um, definitely not living beyond our means. And and I went to Karen. I was like. Listen, she knew how miserable I was. And so I could have told her, yeah. I'll make one-tenth of what I was making. Right. And she would have been like, we'll make it work. Right? right. So when I came to her and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking, but yeah. here's this. But I said, if you if you just trust me and believe in me, I know I can do this. And yeah. I can take this and grow this into something that will be... And I don't... I'm not talking money. Right? I'm talking like building a... a a vision, a product. And mm-hmm. along with that comes the results. But mm-hmm. when you focus on that as mm-hmm. like your driving force, right. people always generally end up unhappy. So I think that's another reason that I have um, mm-hmm. been able to be mentally healthy. And I'm not going to say that I've uh, not struggled with little bouts of, you know, mini depression or there's I think every person does. For sure. Yeah. But, but I see what you mean. Like you, the way you are doing things, you're able to control the pre-op at every like touch point with the patient through the surgical area post-op. So you're, you are controlling all that or you're preventing anything bad from happening. And that's what patients love about it too. Like you have like an orthopedic spa, I feel. Yeah. And it was just Um, painful. Like, you know, in hospital employed models, it's like trying to, to, you're on the Titanic. You're trying to steer to avoid the iceberg. It takes a long time to turn that big of a ship. It takes that long of a time to steer a big hospital, big organization. If you said, hey, I want to I want to start doing this. I think this is like hot, like outpatient surgery, right? And mm-hmm. no hospital that I've ever been affiliated with was a huge fan of it because to them it meant less dollars. But to me, it was better for the patient. It was lower chances of infection. People recover better at home. Absolutely. Right? So... Yeah. Um, it- Actually, on the same line, then my second question: uh, I see a lot of patients, and every orthopedic surgeon I feel has a different way or protocol of doing things. But I see some of your patients. Actually, most of them I've seen them on bed rest after a joint replacement, and uh, I don't know how long is it. One week, two weeks, three weeks. Okay, three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now so, it's not like one hundred percent strict bed rest. Okay. But what is, I just want to understand, of course, as a physician myself and for others' education, is there, like for that delayed ambulation, what 
what are the benefits for the patient? Yeah. So, um, I wouldn't call it delayed ambulation. I would call it more soft tissue rest and I'll, okay. I'll explain. All right. Okay. So the first four and a half to five years of my practice, I practiced what was called rapid recovery protocol. Okay. It, it's, it's pretty standard of care 15 years ago, even mm-hmm. to today. That's like what people would call the standard of care where you do a joint replacement. And I don't mean like, do they go on the same day or the next day or a couple of days later? It's more mm-hmm. like what you're doing and how quickly you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So I was getting people up, getting moving quickly. You were going to outpatient physical therapy within two to three days of your operation. And we were doing that three days a week. Um, mm. You know, I got people back to work much quicker, usually within mm. three to four weeks. Um, wow. But when the patients would come in to see me, mm-hmm. you have to remember that's all I knew from my training. I would see the knee or I would see the hip and it'd be really red, hot, inflamed. It wasn't mm. infected, right? There was no drainage or anything like that. And it was stiff and it was painful and it was just Mm. tight. Everything was just very tight. And those patients were miserable. Mm. And I just said, well, that, hey, sorry, man. Sorry, Archana, that's a total knee. Welcome to the club. Moved to Pennsylvania, met Mm. Phil Frendak, Mm. you know, my my associate. Right. right. And um, he was a physical therapist before he was an orthopedic surgeon. A lot of people don't realize that. Wow, wow. So he has a very unique perspective on things. And I kind of knew that he was very delayed with his his Mm post-operative regimens. So I just sat down and we were just chatting as we would often do and still do. We'll sit down and text or grab a beer and just talk about what's new. We'll go to conferences Mm -hmm. together. So it's he's an awesome partner. He's, he's great. Yes. Um, he's like Batman though. You can't, it's hard to get a hold of him and he's like under the radar, but love you, Phil. Um, and he said to me, he goes, Ryan, if you could take a total knee patient, put him in a body cast for three months, take the body cast off, their knee would do amazingly well. It may be a little stiff for the first couple of days. He goes, but the motion would come back quickly. There would be very little, um, you know, pain for the patient cause they're not mm. using it. He goes, the problem is, is they probably wouldn't survive three months cause they'd be bedridden. Um, they get bed sores, they get pneumonia, they get DVTs, blood clots in their legs, <clears throat> urinary tract infection, pneumonia, all those bad things. Right. So his process to me is like, you know, you gotta allow the tissue to rest after the operation. So the way I kind of explain this to my patients is say you break your humerus, your, mm-hmm. your upper arm bone, um, or you get a huge gash in your thigh with a machete. You would not wake up every day and start moving your arm around and trying to get Mm -hmm. motion at that fracture site. And you wouldn't Mm -hmm. wake up every morning and start to try to work on scar mobilization because you would rip it open. It would start bleeding again. It would fester and it would never heal. Or think about if you had a huge bruise, would you wake up every day and punch it? True. Right. So that's what we're doing. We're creating a huge surgical insult. By the way, there's no arthritis pain when it's done because we've replaced it with metal and plastic. So Mm -hmm. any residual pain after that operation is Mm -hmm. 100% Soft yeah. tissue and surgically induced. Yeah, and the patients are doing great because I, we personally have a lot of these patients as in our practice. Yeah, mutual. So they're doing great. So, um, so what so we I do is we, we, to... we lay them down flat on their back 80% yeah. of the time for the first three weeks with their feet above their heart. What it does is it allows the swelling to reduce. Right. Helps with DVT pre- prevention too. Most people think, are these people getting blood clots at astronomical rates? I, I don't remember the last patient that I had that, blood clot, that got a blood clot. So That's great. So it's different. And then we start physical therapy for our knees. For me, I start them four weeks after the operation. So you allow the soft tissue, inflammation, surgical insults to subside, wow. and then you proceed. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, uh, like I said, every ortho that I see has a different 
protocol. protocol. So and and like I said, this is working great and makes so much sense as well. That's well, uh, uh, and just to finish up real quick. So I was I had the the beauty of seeing both, right? So mm-hmm. did it kind of the old school slash current standard of care way, and then when I changed it, I'm like, oh my gosh, these patients are coming in, their knees not red or rarely red. Yeah, it's a little painful. People say they feel like there's a band across the front, but it was nowhere near as inflamed. The, the knees move significantly further and better and easier. And um, they're just much happier patients. So that's great. That's, well, the, that's the key, that's, right? You know, and learning from your experience too. Yeah. That's that's great. That's that's great. I mean, that's I feel that's what all these, um, I mean, have you done, have you submit research? Like, do you do any research projects in your practice? Because all these patients are your own patients. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, would it be easy to submit? Or is there data already there about this? We haven't done any research projects about that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be very unique and very exciting because it, right. it is a unique protocol. Right. Um, we do do research, though. We have a research coordinator. Most of it is around, like, implant-related um, mm-hmm. like I, I designed, uh, along with three other surgeons, a partial knee replacement system and we created it. We were, we were the, the creating mm-hmm. surgeons. And wow. so we're doing follow-up studies on that. We're over five years now with that particular implant. Is that the same? Um, I read something about the Soto, uh, Moto. Moto. Sorry. Yeah. Moto. So, so that's the Medacta Moto, which okay. in Italian means motion. Okay. So, so I, okay. So, but once you like. Aren't you one of the like, one, doctors? Who- one of four. So okay. myself, I'm going to give some shout outs here to my, my boys. Uh, Mandume Karina, he's okay. out of Leesburg, uh, Florida. Okay. Uh, my buddy Akbar Nawab, he's out of um, Louisville. And then my good buddy, uh, Dr. Tony Robbins, he's um, out in kind of the Seattle area. Oh, wow. That's, so we're that's the great. only Medacta design team that is all U.S. based. Every other project they've ever had, because they're a Swiss-based company, mm-hmm. they've always had, we'll have an Italian surgeon, we'll have an Australian surgeon, a couple of U.S. surgeons, a German surgeon. So it was a unique project. Mm-hmm. And I've worked on a couple other projects. I'm currently working on a global partial mm-hmm. knee system project, so like the next version of that. But there's, I think, maybe 12 of us, and, and it's that's, we have that's Japanese amazing. surgeons at this. Yeah. So in addition to what you're doing, you're also working on newer like, innovations here. That's That's great. Yeah. Fine. So I think that's pretty probably yeah. pretty good for the business questions. Yeah, I I don't know if you would count this as a personal or business question, but I am really curious. And I know you told me the story about even before you started your practice, you I think you shared the symbol, the whole health orthopedics. <laughs> so and uh, this uh, is not the whole health tree. But isn't but there's a lot of similar? trees in my life and in my businesses. <laughs> so I have quite a few businesses. The, the whole health, it's funny you bring it up because um, literally one of the first and maybe only times, maybe three or four times, mm-hmm. um, I've had a patient ask me about the logo. It was just the, last week. Mm-hmm. I said, when I was done with my consultation, like I went through the whole thing, what to expect after your knee replacement. Yeah. Uh, any questions? And the wife goes, I have one. And she points up at the TV screen because each exam room has a TV constantly streaming mm-hmm. educational information. She goes, What's what's the story behind the tree, the logo? And I said, well, um, whole health was not necessarily an orthopedic surgical practice. 
it was originally a wellness community that my best friend Jared no- Jared Oaks and I kind of conceptualized back in 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. We both decided that almost like your 75 hard kind of like thing mm-hmm. that you, mm-hmm. you've done in your journey that you've been on. Mm-hmm. We both were kind of looking at our lives at that point. I'm year four. I just went back into private practice. So I'm like feeling very entrepreneurial, very powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I got this. I'm controlling my destiny. And my best friend, Jared, who's a real estate attorney in Cleveland said, Hey, and it's like, I don't even remember the venue, but we're like, man, we could do so much more with our lives than me putting metal and plastic in people and him closing big real estate deals. And we were just talking about the, the problems mm-hmm. of chronic disease in, in the United mm-hmm. States, whether it's uh, obesity, I mean, I don't need to tell you, but diabetes, you know, malnutrition, smokers, just, just all these bad habits. Um, and we said we could create a community that really focuses on health and wellness. And it had every component. It had real estate for mm-hmm. Jared. It had a medical community, which I was kind of the chief medical officer of. Mm-hmm. But it also had the sense of like farm to table nutrition. Um, we had emphasis on early childhood education. It wasn't like a, a school per se, but like preschool. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. you would live there too. There was right. there was homes and and it's it's great. I mean, uh, I don't know if you remember how I first met you because um, I remember. Really, oh, you remember? Oh, uh, it, was it in this neighborhood? No, Erkoy Club in uh, in Conneaut Lake. That's where I met first met you and Karen. Okay. And you had already uh, you were already at the hospital, and Anand already knew you, so you were sort of that mentor relationship. And I remember you guys laughing. And you were talking about this at that time, you know, the okay. whole health or wellness. And because I've known you before, you started uh, like your practice, sure, like your personal, uh, private practice. And it's just the same vision you're telling me right now. It, I remember, you know, this was similar. a massive scale. We were looking at properties, 500 acres. I mean, the, whole, the project budget at that time, which is 10 years mm-hmm. ago now, was 292 or 293 million dollars. So. We weren't going to fund it. We needed to get, you know, angel investors, venture capitalists. So we created a business model. We had mm-hmm. all architectural renderings and and like visions and handbooks and financials. And we sat down with multiple people to kind of pitch this idea. Everyone loved it, mm-hmm. but it had never really been done. So people were scared. And I think they were like, who are these two young dudes? Like stick the orthopedic surgery and stick to real estate. <laughs> but... And then just to answer your final, the the actual logo. So I sat down and I just started drawing. I needed something meaningful. I was like, all right, it needs to be something that promotes life, wellness, nature. Like what better than a tree? And then I was like, it needs to kind of look like a person, right? Mm -hmm. So arms open up, like embracing with the head, the circle. And then the roots needed to be strong and profound. They needed to be very big. And so I drew out several iterations and then I had, um, And I, I just found them on my phone scrolling through it. It's like <laughs> there's a lot of ideas I have, but it eventually yeah. kind of solidified on that. And then as you see, this is the tree on Lyona Road, which is about a half mile from my parents' house. Oh, so really? It's actually, and it's the symbol on the cover art for the podcast. So oh, there's a beautiful sunset. Okay. I actually took that photo last fall while archery hunting. And I went okay. and I was like, holy cow. That's that's great. I mean, this this is amazing. I'm I'm so proud of you. Like proud of oh. calling you a friend. Well, thank you. It's always such such an inspiration because from the time, like I said, I've known you before you started practice, and you were talking about it, 
not too many people realize I feel their vision. Yeah. So, so you had you've had this vision for such a long time. So yeah, it's, and it, it's, and it's great. I've been guilty, and Jared's been guilty of like dreaming big, really big. And both my wife Karen and his <laughs> wife Jill, both Michigan girls, they were like, "Hey guys, do you think this may be a little aggressive?" We're like, "What do you mean? Like five hundred acres is too much. Two hundred ninety-two million dollars is too much." And they're like, "Why don't you just start a little?" And Karen's like, "Just start with little projects." I'm like, "That's not how I work. Go big or go home." And oh, but I then agree. when I decided to do whole health. Uh, it was originally called Joint Replacement Institute because that's all we did, hips and knees. Mm-hmm. Now it's at Orthopedic Institute. We changed the name. But um, it was a mini version. I kind of took mm-hmm. Karen's advice. And it was a mini mm-hmm. version. I asked Jared for the permission to use the name because mm-hmm. it was our idea, mm-hmm. the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, I'd be proud for you to do that. Yeah, that's that's great. So, great. What else? What other personal questions? Okay, um, I know you're, I've had your pizza, amazing. <laughs> so, um, but normal day-to-day, like, uh, who does the cooking? <laughs> well, you? Yeah, really? so, um, <laughs> that's, that's I'm great. trying to say this politically correct. <laughs> Number one, I enjoy cooking. Uh-huh. To me, it is like, it's like mowing the lawn, it, it to me, it's kind of mindless, although cooking can be stressful, especially when you're doing a lot and you have mm-hmm. to time things out. True. But I love projects and I love that distraction. But it's like, okay, I do my work. Mm-hmm. And most people are like, you just want to come home and like, have food on the table. No, I cooked dinner last night. That's I cooked um, dry aged uh, Angus ribeyes. Um, I did these amazing, I call them Molly, Ryan's, uh, Molly's rustic potatoes. I dice up red skin potatoes, some onions, some uh, Ooh, some great. peppers, <laughs> olive oil, garlic, butter, and I throw it in the pizza oven. Mm-hmm. So it's a big process. But um, so I did that for my buddy last night, Ryan, who was on the podcast and did some ribeye steaks and then broccolini. Tonight I did like a rustic style pasta. So I stopped in Conant Lake. Do you know that little butcher right there? Um, help me, folks. Right there across from Silver Shores. Um, Miladies okay. was in Meadville. Okay, I I should know, but... <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. Um, I'll stop in there from time to time because okay. coming back from the hospital, mm-hmm. which is in Transfer, Pennsylvania, I come through like mm-hmm. Adamsville and Conant Lake sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I stopped there. I grabbed some Italian sausage. I had some uh, tagliatelle noodles, and I, I put that all together. I mean, again, you got to put garlic in there. I got garlic, some onion in there too. And the boys, and I made it spicy. I Do you like spicy food? Um, No, not so much. I Which mean, is I've, Indian a little food atypical, is quite, right? Right, it is, yes. I Well, most of my years were in boarding school, frankly. So I did get used to, um, because the food is made for so many kids. Okay. So I, I really didn't get used to spicy food. So yeah, uh, it was kind of bland. To right, yeah, but but for some, my brothers love it. You know, they yeah. like my uh, most of my family members. I mean, they love spicy food, but I just can't. so I added some heat to it too. I mean, it was already hot Italian sausage, but um, yeah. I added some cayenne pepper. You gotta put some cayenne. Uh, can I ask you one more? Yeah, question? one more, and then we're gonna um, turn the table so I can ask you <laughs> questions. So if you were. Um, before you started your practice, or to a young doctor, um, orthopedic, or think of one of your kids is an orthopedic, you know, 
uh, getting out in the world after fellowship, after residency, and if they want to start a private practice, what would you tell them? Is there one advice you would give them? Something that you personally, looking back, would not have done? Like any anything? Like yeah, that? so private practice? Private practice. Um, I would say you need to think outside the box 100% of the time. If you can't, mm-hmm. probably not going to succeed. And that's being very blunt, and that's mm-hmm. being very painfully blunt for some people maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to... You have to think outside the box and you have to get creative to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you need to figure out ways that are going to set you apart, right? Like, and just building your business, building your brand, which has been so much fun, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, why, why should people come to whole health? Well, mm-hmm. you want reason number one, or you, do you want reason number 101? Cause I've got them all and I can go down through them for you, but it's what makes us unique. And it's, you got to do things differently. And to me, it's not just different just to do it different, but it's different, but also, in my opinion, better, right? Whether it's your post-op protocols, the way we do our hip replacements, and your minimally invasive um, kinematic alignment for total knees, we're the only people in this area doing that. You could travel an hour and a half any direction, probably two hours, and not find another that's, surgeon doing that. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, in your office, I hear, like it's such a, I've been there, I've taken the tour, but from the patients, when they tell me, it's like a, just everything is so like a well-oiled machine sort of like everything is there like once you decide on the surgery they know exactly what to do yeah so the key there is like you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen and um you know fortunately for me all of the uh, like i'm my own boss right so i i own the practice i let people practice the way that they want to practice i'm not telling any of my uh associates like i'm not telling dr friend or dr milam or dr sian hey you have to do so. I, I say we do need to agree upon some protocols because mm-hmm. when you do that, it's going to make it much easier for our staff. Like for me mm-hmm. and Phil, one of our main things when we first came together was we have to make sure that we're 95% aligned. Yeah. This can't be, well, that's the friend way and that's the Molly way. We'd said yeah. no way. And it, he's like, if it, I said, if it's that way, thanks Phil, but yeah. I, I don't, I don't need you. And he said, Ryan, <laughs> I wouldn't want it that way either because i practiced that way before and it didn't work so we were so 100 percent aligned on that and that was kind of what we did and anybody that's new that comes on obviously i don't do shoulder so i'm not going to tell dr sian or dr milam how to do a shoulder or sports medicine case but for hip and knee stuff we've designed like our protocols and Mm -hmm. if you want to vary a little bit here or there that's fine but stay within the confines probably 95 percent of the time and everything goes well i mean you guys are doing great so well thank you you ready to turn the tables here? <laughs> sure. So number one, your intro was amazing. I, I learned so much from you that I didn't really know. I knew that you went to boarding school. I didn't know you went that early. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, I mean, some of my questions have already been answered, so I'm going to have to think of some new ones, but I'm pretty good at on, this, on the spot type stuff. Um, I guess my first one is going to be like what you do. You're an internal medicine physician, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of have a specialty or um, passion for obesity medicine. Yes. Yeah. And I know that you're very fit, conscious on your disciplines of probably working out regularly, probably eating healthy and just like mm-hmm. how, how you can be healthy, which is it's hard to be overweight or obese and healthy, maybe overweight, but obese. Right. right? Um, so how do you approach your day to day like 
coming in, putting my my happy face on, and making because you asked me how do you, how do I prevent burnout? How do you do what you do and hopefully help prevent burnout for yourself? Uh, right. So that's um, you know working out, being active in the morning. That's my personal I feel coping skill for me. Okay. Um, and it, it has to happen in the morning. Although currently, since I'm doing the 75 hard, it also needs me to do another workout in the evening, which is usually a walk for me. Nothing. Yeah. Um, just 45 minutes. Right. Just 45 minutes. Um, but my morning, I do need some form of movement. Um, that's It could be even just a mat and stretching for me, like a like yoga, yoga video on YouTube. Okay. Um, or like a phone video. I just put it on. Just some movement has yeah. to be there. Uh, I love boxing. I still do. Do you do level uh, red stuff? I still do boxing at least twice a week. Wow. Are you yeah, going for the early morning ones? Early morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Again, like I said, if it doesn't happen in the morning for me, unlikely it will what happen. What time is that early one? Because I did it for a while. So 5.15, okay. uh, that morning class. Uh, but, that, you know, I, I really enjoy, like I told you, the two hour, two years after my, um, during my high school, after 10th grade. I suddenly came home and there was a complete cessation of sports or activities at the time. So I realized personally what that did. Um, I was too young, but looking back, what that did to your mental health. Just um, culturally, I want to ask this question because to me, mm-hmm. say you're in that boarding school environment, you come home like, mm-hmm. why couldn't you just go out and run or swim um, on your own? So... The, it wasn't a structure. So the city I, w- I was in, or and actually, unfortunately, the roads, for example, they're not really runners friendly. You can't just put on a pair of shoes and go out for a run. Okay. Not safe. Uh, we didn't have. Um, this is I'm talking about ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, we didn't have many gyms, especially for girls. Yeah. Not too many. My mom is actually very open, so she would not have. Like it was not related to what my parents wouldn't let me, but there's just two not options. Sure. And plus I was so much into um, that, okay, I have to clear this um, medical entrance test. I have to get into a med school. So you were, you were so shifting your focuses. Focus there, yeah. yes. Uh, but I, I just looking, so I do realize because a lot of my patients, at least 60, 70% of weight loss patients I have are females. And... Um, uh, I'm not sure if I'm taking this question in the wrong direction, but no. I'll come back to that. Uh, but these the nice thing about uh, this, you can take it any direction you want to take it because there is no script. It's just <laughs> genuine authenticity. So right, yeah. Uh, but you know, this is related to burnout as well. Uh, but like this, these patients that I have, like I can see how much of their self um, confidence, the depression is related. To what they see in the mirror or what they see on the scale. It's a great point. Um, and if you, um, if you were to say, like ask them this one question, like what's your happy weight? When was the last time you felt you were happy with your weight? Are they, are, are they linked up? Those so, <laughs> right. And, and, and some of them never, like they feel they've never been that weight. They've never been happy with the weight. Yeah. So, it's, it's always, first of all, it's always a struggle for weight for females. And then how much of that connection for mental health is there? So they've actually done studies that obesity comes first 
followed by there was a diagnosis of mental health diagnosis comes later. That doesn't so, surprise me. So Right. And plus vice versa. You know, it's such a vicious circle. Yeah. So the, when I see that female, I'm just giving an example. I'm seeing a 45-year-old female. She's doing well. Three months later, she's 20 pounds down, 25, 30, and she's wearing this great dress. And, you know, she's not hiding anymore. Like she can fit into her favorite jeans. And when you see that smile, like it's, I feel that's my best. That's what gives me the, like it's so rewarding to see that. And that's my fi- personal favorite kind of patient to see where I can help them. Yeah. Of course, I do all, um, like internal medicine is such a complex, a broad. You got to um, know a lot know. about a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like sort of that's my niche. Yeah. Um, a lot of my part, like I have great partners. I work with seven other, including maybe our eight now. Like they refer patients to me for weight loss. And they have their own specialties. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like how you guys have little niches. Like right. I know that Dave kind of likes the musculoskeletal stuff. Right, right. So I refer my joint injections and uh, any kind of questions I have there to him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, I feel the work environment, the partners I work with, I'm a great manager, she takes a lot of stress away. Dave um, mentioned praises to Allison, her. Allison, she's, she's amazing. Um, like, so I don't have to worry because I, I have young kids. There may be a day where I have to go for an appointment. There may be emergencies, Yeah. but she just handles them. But so, so calmly. So she takes that stress away. You know, if you need it, that's there. And really, like you said, you know, liking what you do. So most of my practice right now, just by default, it's heading towards weight. So I see a lot of patients now over the last three to four years for weight loss. What percent of your practice would you say is that versus traditional internal medicine now? Mm, I wouldn't say it's 50 at 40%. It's awesome. What was it three years ago? 15, 20. So it's definitely trending up. Absolutely. So I'm getting some referrals from outside my practice now. So we have a few surgeons in our building. They send patients um, for like, for example, a hernia surgery. They want them to lose weight. So they have been referring patients to me just to help them lose weight preoperatively. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, um, I mean, that's what I enjoy the most. And I see myself doing more of that. As time goes. Just focus on that. And I mean, there's some Um, great new medications too, right? Are all these meds like diabetes meds? Uh, No, like they may, they were started, the GLP-1 analogs, the initial indication was diabetes. Okay. But now um, we have, like GLP-1 analogs, if are those the ones you're talking about, the injectables, the ones Yeah, that is that like Munjaro? Yeah, so Munjaro, unfortunately, is not yet approved for weight loss. That's for diabetes. But okay. I'm sure it will be soon. It's a great medication sure. for weight loss. Ozempic? Uh, Ozempic is, Wegovi is, uh, and then we have uh, the Saxenda, Liraglutide. Okay. That's a daily injectable. Uh, so in a different dose, like three milligram. Semiglutide, like, is that... Semaglutide is both Wegovy and Ozempic are semaglutide. Okay. So just the different brand names. So there's a, um, gosh, what's his name? Oh, it's um, Tony Robbins, right? Do you know or listen to him and his Uh, life force? Yes, I I actually, not recently, but actually a year back, I was listening a lot of his podcast. Yeah, Yeah. but he, he wrote a book. And he narrates the first part of it. I did an audiobook. It's easier for me when I mm. commute. And it's called a Life Force. And he has all these other 
highly educated medical specialists, physicians, Mm -hmm. therapists that kind of look at just not just living, but living well and almost reversing the aging process Mm -hmm. as like, and, and a couple of things are like, they're talking about, uh, glucophage or, um, metformin Mm -hmm. essentially being like a vitamin that a lot of people are taking and they're like, well, I don't have diabetes anymore. My doctor says I don't have Mm -hmm. diabetes, but Mm -hmm. they have me on this med. Right. Um, yeah, that's true though. Metformin, um, like it's, if I know that the patient is pre-diabetic, they're heading towards there, they have a family history, we would start them on metformin. And it, I mean, yeah. this is not what I do or what I prescribe, yeah. but it's a pretty right. safe medication, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. L- low side effect profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does help with insulin resistance. It will definitely, if I can catch a patient early enough, there's no harm to it. Yeah. It's, they tolerate it well. It prevents them. It may help them uh, with weight loss, in fact. Yeah. And prevent that diabetes, which is... I mean, so I almost think that's right there, right? You've got um, diabetes, obesity, and just depression. Like there's a common denominator here, right? Right. And it's, they're all related to one another, right? Because these people are like, I lost 60 pounds and you know what? I don't have diabetes anymore. And like, wow, shocking. And and more than that, you know, it's, it's the simple stuff they do. Like they can play with the grandkids. They can bend over where they tie their shoelaces. Um, they don't get short of breath playing with the kids. They can walk up a flight of steps without short of breath. Yeah. Low back pain gets better. They can do yard work. I mean, just simple stuff they say just makes so much difference. That's what I think. Like when I'm older, um, I would want to play with my grandkids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right? So, um, so those simple activities of daily living, I feel that where it... I feel the biggest difference. Sure. And again, in younger females, like I was saying, you know, there's so much of their self-confidence, even socializing. Um, I had a patient just tell me that she's going out with her friends again. Like she would just, she was just hiding herself. But that's what, I mean, the way it is doing to, so for me, you know, I, it's not easy to just tell a patient that, hey, eat healthy and exercise. Because um, I've seen that, um, so if a, it's so great if a physician refers a patient to me, because first of all, I give them some extra time, like I have longer visits, Yeah. Un, uh, unlike someone else who may be just seeing them as a routine follow-up and sure. addressing other issues. Because there, then you can really find out about the history, about that um, eating behavior, mm-hmm. that nighttime eating that's going on. It's, it's not just easy to tell them to stop eating. Sure. So that's where I feel like medications, uh, I like to start medication right away, unless they have, of course, uh, reason not to, um, or contraindication. But then I just like to give it. And then when they see that difference within four weeks. It's almost like a jump start. Right. They feel amazing. That's when they start doing like, okay, fine. Initially, when you tell them, okay, I've heard that before, doctor. Like, uh, you know, tell me something else. I've tried this, this, this. I've never lost weight. I regain it. But when they see that initial, like, oh, wow, I'm actually seeing the numbers. So, you know, what just came to me as we're talking, right? (laughs) Like you talked about the vicious circle or cycle of, Mm -hmm. you know, depression and weight loss. And I'm going to throw diabetes in there too, right? And how it can snowball and Mm -hmm. you gain a little more weight. Then this gets a little bit more out of control and you become Mm -hmm. more and more depressed. I see this in my joint replacement patients too. You, I'm an eternal optimist. So spin that snowball the other direction. Right. Because once they start, give them that jump start because momentum is 
dangerous, right? You get into a negative momentum cycle. It's you keep going down, digging deeper into depression or whatever. What if you can reverse it? But in order to reverse that snowball, you need that jumpstart of that medication because they need to see like quick gains. Like if it's going to be like, all right, Mm -hmm. it's going to take you a year to lose 20 pounds. If they can lose 20 pounds quickly, they're going to shift their momentum. They're going to feel better about themselves. They're probably going to be like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym. So now they're more active. They're going out socially. Right. Social life gets better. Absolutely. And then depression. Hey, I, I got off my and, antidepressant. And in your, like, in surgical field, like, I mean, they can probably get to that surgery faster. Um, and, like, I've had... And safer. These, not right. necess- But, like, safer, right? Mm-hmm. Less chance of complications such as infection, wound healing complications. Absolutely. Because they're either obese, diabetic... Maybe they're a smoker um, and they're malnourished. They're albumins, you know. Unfortunately, minimal. yes. And, but, you know, if you uh, look at the numbers in U.S. right now, uh, 42% of adults have obesity and 20% of children. Wow. So and I'm, the number I'm surprised the children is, is not higher because when I look around, yeah. I'm like thinking it's much higher. You I mean, said 30 and 20? Uh, 42%. 42 adults, 42% are, adults are, are ob- overweight or obese. Okay. And children. I and just for a casual, like listeners out there, can you just kind of give like the definition for overweight versus obese and explain kind of body mass index? Yeah. So overweight would be like a BMI of 27 or more. And like normal BMI is up to 24.8. Okay. Um, 24 uh, underweight would be below 18. Um, then t- 20, like anything up to 29.9 then, it's actually overweight. But we can start weight loss medicines at a BMI of 27 and more. And if they have an obesity-related uh, complication, such as like blood pressure issue, cholesterol, diabetes, sleep, sleep apnea, apnea. Yeah. any of those. Obesity would be a BMI of more than 30. So just, um, uh, just remembering those like 20... 6 to 29.9 overweight, and then 30 and more is obesity. Then, of course, obesity, we have stage 1, 2, 3. Um, so my simple numbers are 30 to 40 is obese, obesity. Mm-hmm. Morbid obesity is 40 to 50 or 49.9, and over 50 is super morbid obesity. Is there Am I missing, or is there uh, subcategories? So we, um, we refrain from using that word, super morbid obesity. Because you're going to offend people? <laughs> You're going to make them feel yeah, bad that they're um, really, and yeah, I'm not, I'm still, not saying that to joke, but right. no, I, um, you got to call a spade mean. a spade. So we are doing uh, like stage one, stage two, stage two is up to 39.9. Um, like stage one, starting from the beginning, stage one is uh, 34, uh, 34.9. Okay. And then 35 to 39.9 is stage two. Okay. And then above 40 is stage three. Yeah, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. And, <laughs> right. And you don't 30 have to 40, 40 to 50. <laughs> have to remember that but i'm just telling you Is know whoever on the test later because <laughs> i'm not going to pass it if somebody's <laughs> listening here you know and they, they want if they are interested yeah. because these these medications are I, I feel people need to have more information that medications are okay to use for weight loss it's not a weakness if somebody's asking for yeah i almost and, think of it kind um, of analogous to people taking antidepressants right they and, and if you're just saying you yeah. admitting you have depression somehow mm-hmm. in a previous era that was you're weak. Mm-hmm. You couldn't handle with this on your own. Yeah, with someone with an eating disorder, it's not you. It's it's basically telling someone with depression, "Don't be depressed." 
and you tell them don't eat. Right. So it, it has to be. And so these are medications actually that are helping more on your like different like neurotransmitters that they're working somewhere, decreasing your hunger. Yeah. So I, I do feel like more people would ask about it because there is so much help, not just DLP-1 analogs. We have so many other medicines we have yeah. that are FDA approved. So, uh, well, that's where my passion lies. Yes. Yeah. Um, wait, and seeing my patients happy when I see them four to six weeks later. Helps make you it's, happy. It's amazing. Right. And that's <laughs> the same thing for myself. Yeah. And that's what I think brings me so much joy is not only do I enjoy doing what I do, but part of doing what I do is, is the stories afterwards and Absolutely. right. Just changing those lives. And a lot of times I'm not able to even see a lot of it because um, as surgeons, I mean, we're just, you, 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 we're right. so busy on operating that follow up occurs with sure. mid-level providers or nurses or so I, I miss out on some of those success stories, but all right, I'm going to kind of morph into a business slash personal question, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it actually truly is both. So, um, you are a physician and you are a female. How this, this is a unique from my perspective, cause I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. physician, but I'm a male. Um, a lot of women out there that are watching this, they probably really, really look up to you knowing that you are a mother of two young mm-hmm. active boys, a wife to a very active, successful OB-GYN doctor in, in Erie. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Anon here in a little bit. But how do you balance those things? Because it's different when, and Karen can totally relate to this. She's like, the woman is the care provider. That doesn't mean that like I love my boys any less, boys, if you're watching. You know, and I'll come home and I'll cook like I did tonight and last night and I'm going to do it this weekend. But how do you balance it? Because it's different. For a woman, that, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but right. you're you're the nurturer, right? They're gonna almost always come to you first. That's true. So how do you do it? <laughs> Gosh, I never I've never thought of it. It's just I've just done it, but maybe it's because I saw um, my mom doing it. It's there. It just came easy to me because she worked full time, and I would see in the mornings her getting ready for work. And before, actually, before she left for work, she would still wake us up, do our, our morning hours were, were our study time. She would sit with us, do our homework with us, like extra study. This is not homework, yeah. extra study. Like we would be ahead on our syllabus <laughs> because she was a teacher herself. So she had to do that with us and then go, go for work later. So at this now, like uh, I've never, I've always um, worked since I've had, the kids. I've never had a year, I frankly, where I was not working. Sure. So I've just been used to the lifestyle. Like Aryan was six weeks old when I started my residency. So I still remember dropping him at a daycare. And and he was six weeks. He didn't know any different. Right. But I was, of course, tearful leaving. It's like <laughs> typical Indian. She signed him up for boarding school at six weeks old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a horrible stereotype. Oh. But we can laugh about it. <laughs> but right? that there's a story there too. Okay, since you say that, but I'll, I'll come to that. Okay. Um, and then Arjun, I was a third year resident. And, and by the I way, you're, you're tapping them and being like engineer, visit <laughs> with your Harry Potter wand. And <laughs> no, but I know my mom is. <laughs> um, so th- I feel like kids get used to it. 
because for as a mom, it would be hard for me if my um, son came and told me, hey, I'm not getting enough from you. Or, uh, or if they said that this other mom is doing this and you're not doing this for me. So there are times that I do feel guilty, like I'm not able to go do, and feel Will trips. they ever say that? Well, Arjun sometimes would say that uh, I'm not going on field trips because okay. field trips, like setting the locker, for example, you know, happens on a week on a weekday. Now, for that, if I were to do on a regular time, then you take time off for that. What do you mean by setting the locker? Use that so, term this weekend. <laughs> so uh, when the kids go back to school, um, before that, they can go and keep their supplies, school okay. supplies ahead of time. So it's a one to year type thing. Right. I'm just giving an example. Oh, okay. Here. I was yeah. like, you're going in and organizing his locker every week. <laughs> no, but for kids, sometimes it can matter because their friends are setting it yeah. that day and you are uh, not. Um, so I'm like, okay, let's do it on the weekend. We'll do it on the weekend. That's the day when you came yeah. and we were talking like football, about it. football, right? Yes. We were- yes. So, um, uh, but you know, like field trips, I'm not able to make it. Sometimes the class parties are there, holiday parties. They're all during regular hours. So I, I do feel I miss some things. <laughs> But I, I, but I try to make it up. But that's you know, the balance, really, right? right? And the kids know. So I'm so glad that they they realize that. For like for Aryan, he tells mom, "I'm so glad you're independent." Or like he he likes that. He yeah. likes that part of me now. So uh, so that's what happened with us growing up. Like I'm just used to that lifestyle. The kids know that mom did not have a run this morning. She'll be irritable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so steer, so steer like, clear of mom this morning. <laughs> So yeah, I mean they, her running um, shoes have not moved. <laughs> There's like a red bat phone that's flashing. Like, Aria, mom didn't go for a run. But jokes apart, you know they, the kids are like they're It's it's been it's been well. I don't have a secret. How do I do it? Yeah. But I feel like I've just done it. But you're and a mom, and it's like no, I'm not trying to steal any thunder from Nike, but you just do it. That's what moms right, do. And right. Yeah. So much mad props to you, <laughs> thank you thank to you. all moms out there, especially working moms, right? It's True. not easy. It's not easy. Um, and, and Hey, single dads out there. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but because you probably are, True. it's that same nurturing figurehead. We just don't Absolutely. call it mom for that. Right. Right. So, Absolutely. but I think I take a lot of that stuff for granted um, because, you know, I'm get, going to work early. So I'm like, well, Ah, Karen, she, she can take the kids to school and then she can pick them up from school and she can yeah. take them to their doctor's appointments. And yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even amazing. know where she they go does, to a doctor yeah. or their dentist. I remember when I, I first dentist, moved to Erie, Karen had sent me this email and it had all contacts possible, starting from this is Karen the dentist, Molly, by the way, doctor, eye doctor, like house cleaning, you name it, and it was there. I mean, it was so amazing. Like she Drew is Carlin, great. beautiful smiles, pediatric <laughs> dentistry. He's my buddy, so try to shout oh, out to Drew. But no, I'm just talking about like you know when. Yeah, uh, all the connections. Yeah. Uh, you know, Anthony Santoro. Do you know who he is? Uh, no, I just saw that you interviewed him. Yeah, recently. Um, his podcast dropped this morning. Right. But young, successful. He's 28. Owns the Bomb Shelter indoor training baseball That's, facility. But wow, um, he looked so young. Like how he's in his 20s. 28. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's very, very successful. But um, yeah. yeah, so he just, you just kind of do what you do. True. You know, when you were talking about that Indian, um, okay, you're going to the boarding school. Like, so I have a story about Ta- being an Asian it. female doctor. Okay. Uh, and imagine moving to Meadwell 
for my first job. So when my when I moved from Did you say Asian? Yeah. Yeah. Asian so Indian. <laughs> I mean, I learned something recently too because I would never <laughs> refer to you as Asian. I would say she's Indian, but right. it's part of Absolutely. Asia. Yeah, so uh, of course when people see you, I mean you you have to I I am a first generation immigrant. Yeah. My parents are not from here. My kids are second generation here. Uh, but uh, when I graduated from Allegheny General Hospital and Anand was already working at Meadville, so that was just, you know, natural for me to I have to go to Meadville. So I started out as a private practice initially myself and um, I had my partner. Her name was Jeanette Lee. Um, she was an internist as well. So both of us started our own private practice. From and scratch? From from scratch. Wow. Although I feel looking back, if I had done at this stage now, I would have been so much better at it. I was not quite ready for it yeah. at the time. It's right fresh out of residency. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a reason that it took me <laughs> see, 2018, like seven or eight years to start my own practice. So Wasn't first right patient time. here, yeah, um, first patient walks in, he's this uh, white 70-year-old male, about that, uh, and he sees me standing behind the receptionist. Okay, he um, so he said like she said, okay, yeah, she, she's a doctor. Yes, she's the doctor. Does she know English? <laughs> so <laughs> so my partner. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so my partner Jeanette Lee, like she she was great. You know, she was um, older than me, slightly more experienced, and. Um, she was right there standing. She opened the window. Yes, sir. She speaks the British English. <laughs> so, because in India. <laughs> so, so it's much smarter and so more educated. Just, it's just a funny, like, I've had stories like that. You know, I've had those uh, people have biases. I mean, yeah. And there's nothing you can, like, I have biases too. Like, we, we cannot help it. Whether or not but, you want to admit it. Right. right? Yeah. We everybody all have that. Does, everybody does. So. But, you know, I, I, if anything, he was one of my best patients, frankly. He became my patient and he, he was great. Funny guy. You know, we had so many like, oh, so. Would you joke about it? Like, oh, yeah. When absolutely. he would come in, did you ever absolutely. like pretend that you didn't speak English? No, no. You should it, have. Played with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. I should have. But I, I was just a fresh, frankly, graduate. Yeah. You know, I, and now if I have patients like that, I mean, we, we joke about it. That's not a problem. You know, How in the world did you start a practice when you just came out of residency? I know. I don't know why did I do did, that. Did your partner have any experience either? Well, she did in New York, though. Okay. And her and her husband, well, he they were only there for a short time because her husband, they had... In New York? Him, um in, in, Meadville. in Meadville, they were okay. for a very short time because her husband was international cardiologist at the time. Got it. And she was just doing this as like, so we, both of us were there for our, because of our husbands, I think. Did, we, was the husband's thing only like a temporary thing? Yeah, he didn't stay long. I don't okay. think. But it wasn't he, planned to be temporary. It was Not just, planned to be, yes. Okay. But yeah. But I, I miss her. I, I think she's somewhere in North Carolina now. But nice. Like, but she was. Just her response. Is I don't she think private I practice now or employed? <laughs> employed. She's employed. So you're both yeah. Yeah. employed. So how many years did you do that? It was about actually three years. Okay. Yeah. I didn't do so bad, actually. Looking yeah. back, I mean, of course, there are things I could have done differently. But now if I were to do it, 
So on this, because of the same reason, I've never been good as a physician. You never taught business side. I mean, ever. So ever, ever. And that's ever. another, you know, impressive, like so impressive what you have done. Just learning the business, the numbers. Yeah, that's like, all. Right, and how how I didn't get take those. any classes. I didn't go. Like I know you said you're studying for your MBA. Uh, right, so that's um, I started uh, summer. I've thought about doing that, and then I'm like, when would I do that? Because it's going to have to yeah. something else isn't going to have to give. And I'm not saying because I would learn a tremendous amount, um, but I think there will be a time in my life when I can do that when things Absolutely. maybe slow down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think though you're learning so much, like on hand, on the job. There, really, that's that's cool. you're like well, that's the best that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> learning by failure is by far and away the the best yeah. way. It's painful, but it's it's really good. So, so the next thing that we typically do is we do what's called the seventh inning sawbone shoe stretch. Right. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> asked you to um, wear either one of your favorite pair of shoes or shoes that have a special story or meaning to you. So, and then I'll do the same thing. So, fire away. Well, that's my running shoes. You know, hands down. I I just that has most meaning to my life. Um, just same thing, uh, the same level, like the stressors in your life. And for me, I feel this is a sort of symbol that um, uh, just calm among chaos <laughs> kind of feeling mm-hmm. that if I put these on, go for a run by myself. And I usually I run by myself. <laughs> I, I do train with partners sometimes, but um, normally I run by myself. But that's the time I really feel I can find solutions um, because my old, my older one is in high school right now. There'll be things I'll be thinking about him, mm-hmm. uh, what's going on in the school, how can I help him here, um, or just just that movement. I feel other thing that helps me is uh, with this would be, um, and this is for my other female friends as well if they're walking watching because I do feel that's form of a self care for me. Mm-hmm. Because I have to do that for me so I can be a better person at home. Yeah, so you can be a better mom, yeah, right? better wife, yeah. better physician, all those things, right? It's not selfish when you're taking... And that's yeah. something that needs to definitely be taught, right? especially amongst physicians. And it because, took time for me to realize that. Yeah. And, and, and I would feel guilty about it. Um, like, okay, that needs to be done. But no, now I just think that that's so essential, like that sort of a symbol... Of that for me, self-care, sort of empowerment, confidence, calm. Um, I'm, I'm loving where this went. Never would I have thought that. But, you know, this is, you, you think like, oh, it's a shoe conversation. Like, what's so special about shoes? Well, you saw Dave Hutzel's podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To date, so I think that was Karen's favorite podcast. And his title was called It, it Is Solved by Walking. And or through walking, and um, you're telling the same story, but it's a little different for you. It's running. The key is it's by yourself. Mm-hmm. So for me, self care. I love going to the peninsula. Like I've been going mm-hmm. regularly, like at least once a day, if not every other day. And I'll do six miles, just walking though, because I can't run anymore because of my hips. But it's the same thing. Is mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I would have looked at that as oh, that's time I could be spending with the boys. That's selfish. I and then you I think physicians too like we have this 
I'm not trying to sound like a martyr by any means, but we have this almost mentality that is beat into us as like servant. You have to be a servant to all of your patients. And I think our patients expect that too. But when you start hearing that the highest suicide rate in this country by professionals mm-hmm. is physicians, mm-hmm. and for me personally, it's 28% of those mm-hmm. are uh, physician suicides are orthopedic surgeons. There's a problem. That's shocking. To right. And, and you got to yeah. get to a solution. Mm-hmm. And to me, it is like, doing stuff for yourself. I get regular massages every couple and I pamper myself. Oh, I, I, get, I do a two hour great. massage yeah. every two weeks mm-hmm. um, because it helps to relieve tension from my day job of wearing a heavy helmet and my walks are essential too. So, and meditation, oh. I, I, I don't know if you practice any form of meditation. Maybe that's while you're running. I don't know. But. Right. I, that's, I, f- I feel that's a form of meditation for me. Um, so far, I've not done the still meditation. Yeah. For me, action uh, movement has always worked better. That's what I feel. I need to start my morning. Um, but I do feel evenings slowing down. That's the time I could go for a walk. Like, just slow. But just, I think better when I'm doing something. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I would I would be so bad at just sitting and thinking about a solution sitting. Yeah. As opposed to if I went for, like, a little jog. Uh, I'm the same it way. Would, it would come to me. <laughs> Creative juices get flowing much, <laughs> right. much better during those, right. those times of activity. So, yeah. um, well, I'm excited to talk about these. So obviously every episode, <laughs> anybody that's watched. I love that Jordan wall. That's amazing. Yeah. So she saw my Jordan oh. shoe collection, by the way, <laughs> my, my Michael Jordan, number 45, 45th <laughs> pair of Jordan shoes <laughs> came today. Oh, wow. They're not these, these okay. they're not these, but in commemoration, Commemoration of my 45, Michael Jordan, for a short <laughs> phase of his career, he wore number 45 oh, okay. for a couple games. And okay. then he, he wasn't as good. And one of the players, Nick Anderson of the Orlando Magic, said, well, number 45 isn't number 23, making like an implication that he wasn't the player that he used to be. Okay. So Jordan was like, mm-hmm. screw you. Even though my number hangs in the rafters and it's already retired, I'm taking it out of retirement just like I came out of retirement. Mm-hmm. And he came back with vengeance. So... These are my Jordan 45 shoes. They're the Jordan 4. Okay. And these are the the bread. By far and away, my favorite pair of Jordan's design colorway oh, nice. ever. Ever. <laughs> that's, that's so amazing. I've always loved yeah. them. Um, you know, time changes. Like my, I used to hate the Jordan 1s. Now I love the Jordan 1s. But these are the 4s. And I love the mesh here. The big Jumpman logo here here just the colorway they brought some grays in here yeah and then these these kind of cool lace straps here which are are gray and then obviously oh the boys love jordan they they all have multiple jordans and you know luca it was cute there was a box and i I got home i said karen's that shoes Uh i still get excited and she goes oh yeah shoes and then i came down and and luca's like tearing open the box and he goes shoes shocking and then i open it up and it, it it comes in the stadium goods he goes Stadium goods, shocking. <laughs> Open up the stadium goods, and it's a Jordan box. I go, right. ooh, Jordans. He goes, another pair of Jordans, shocking. And oh, and, and Luke is eight. So, so. that's uh, what. What is that? Who said this uh, quote? I think um, good shoes take you good places. Oh, uh, I don't know. I that, love it though. Right. So it's I. I forget. It's a actress or like. Something wow. about so I, I love that I love shoes as well. So um, what's your shoe collection? I mean, you, what 
Is it mainly like dress fun shoes? Yes. Is it sneakers? More, more is dressy it shoes. Combo? I would have like both. You okay. Know, um, running shoes, of course, that's a different category of sneakers. Yeah. And biking. I recently got into biking. I love biking, although I'm not good at it. But again, I'm getting used to the idea that it's okay to like something and not be great at it. It's a, <laughs> I mean, you'll get better at it, just like you right. do with everything, yeah. right? I mean, you're doing triathlon, so it's a part of that. So, um, but yes, I do enjoy dress shoes. I love dressy you, shoes. So do you have any Jordans? <laughs> no, I don't have Jordans. Archana, we got to get you into a pair of J's. So Karen got her first pair. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, she wow. got some Jordan ones. Jordan, uh, Karen wearing those. She'll probably be home when we're, when we're done here. You'll be able to see it. But <laughs> Love it. So the next part is always kind of a fun, hey, let's, we're, we're almost done kind of wrapping it up. And it's the, uh, the Sawbones Challenge. So you've seen this before, right? Oh, the basketball? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, yes, yes. I you know, your partner, Dave Hutzel, he gave me some <laughs> feedback. He goes, you know, I think you should do it so that your sideline challenge is a little bit more of a challenge and, and like <laughs> implying that it wasn't fair that we're, that we're doing my sport. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, well, Dave, this is my podcast. I'm going to do something that I can win at, right? By the way, Matt Zim is the only person that's ever really? beat me. I'm definitely not winning, so. No. So we're going to do something. To, to appease Dave, I'm okay. going to give you a choice. Plus, it's probably pretty dark outside. So um, we have a small mini hoop, which mm-hmm. Anthony Santoro and I, we um, played pig on that. Okay. There's the Papa Shot, which is two basketball hoops. And, mm-hmm. and you don't have to decide right now. We'll go out. We each shoot at that. And the first one to make however many wins. Okay. Um, so you've got some options. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. So everybody stick around. We're coming right back after the Sawbones Challenge, and uh, it's going to be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. All right, Sawbones Challenge. We're going basement version again. Last time it was with Anthony Santoro. It was Pig on the little breakaway rim. Tonight we're doing Papa Shot. So similar to what we do outside, it's going to be kind of our indoor three-point competition, uh, but we're going to do it till 10 just because... Uh, going to five, I think would be too quick. Okay, we're gonna do alternate shot. So, fire okay. away. Let's do it. Okay, here's Archana. We're gonna call her Arch. <laughs> oh, Arch. Ryan, like literally, you just. <laughs> well, if you put me in a swimming pool, it would be like the same because you would be oh. swimming laps around me. So one nothing. in their bank shots. Matt Zim, all he did was bank. He beat me. Wow, how many did he get? Two to one. Um, I think it was five to three. So it wasn't even like, it wasn't five to four. <laughs> oh, so we got two to one still. Oh. She's getting frustrated. Here she comes. Ooh. That was 
feeling that you're like competitive. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> no. You don't like to lose, well, do you? I'm definitely, I like to think I am. Form <laughs> two. So five to two. Oh. I think you gotta just focus on the bang. It's working for you. Six to three. Ooh. Six to four. Seven to four. Oh! oh Seven to five. Eight to five. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you back down for the closing here in a little bit. Welcome back, everybody, from the Sawbones Challenge. So at this point, conclusion, right? I always ask some questions, uh, kind of like, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years or 15 years? I mean, I think the first thing that most people think of, especially in our situation, is like, well, how old is Arjun? So you start to do some mental math. But right. wh where do you see yourself in five to 10 years, oh, professionally and personally? Yeah, um, so right now I'm doing this MBA just to understand more management side. Um, I wish I knew about these things before, but now this is really helping me and getting me interested in more management, administration side as well. Um, I do want to continue my obesity practice. So I feel like a combination or maybe even a private, like an obesity Clinic. setup. Yeah. with um, a dietitian on board, um, even like a small, connected, not a huge like gym per se, but something to show people certain movements yeah. that they can easily do. Um, yeah, not like uh, here's 60 treadmills, mm -hmm. but more like you could do this. Here's a, mm -hmm. you know, right. salt bike. Here's some cable systems. Here's some free weights. Mm -hmm. Here's some dumbbells. Here's some kettlebells. Here's some yoga mats. Right. Here's some, and and then I would love to have a counselor on board um, for just that because the mental health is so much more connected with the eating, like addressing the eating behavior. So the combination of that, I would love to have a practice like that, and I do want also um, to address some of the teenage issues there, especially girls when I see eating disorders, especially anorexia, bulimia. And because that's another, although I don't see patients 18 and younger, but you see their I've, parents, uh, right. But I've had actually, uh, girls in that age, 18 to 20 that I have worked with. And, um, I feel in our society, there is so much, there's still more awareness about weight and obesity, but not so much about eating disorders and anorexia. I wish yeah. there was more awareness about it. Because if I see a teen girl, 18, and she's very thin, we start making judgments already in our heads, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, she's just not eating to lose weight. So I, I, I also want to work there 
like a um, little like part of my practice. Um, again, I, I feel that would need uh, me to see more patients like that. But my main focus would be on health mm-hmm. and weight, yeah, both under and overweight. Well, I mean, you're already doing it. I think you're going to continue to grow and your vision is going to be sought out. And, and I, I totally see you doing you. exactly what you want to do. And um, I, I'm honored to kind of share a similar vision with Whole Health. And I'm particularly proud of like one of our mm-hmm. latest accomplishments with the uh, Wellness Institute. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a lot of the same stuff, right? Like taking these patients and really focusing on optimization before surgery and i'm not saying like two weeks before like hey stop smoking right uh, right. cut out the potato chips and Mm -hmm. your french fries and we'll do your surgery it's like we're putting a tremendous amount of time and effort and energy into a screening protocol which may be a little frustrating for patients right out of the gates but they have to understand that the end goal is to get them the best surgery possible Mm -hmm. done on the optimal patient at the optimal time True. you can't have this success without you can't skip steps Absolutely. right so yeah. um getting people into enrolled into the wellness institute focusing on whatever it may be mm-hmm. and it's oftentimes a combination right weight loss yeah. diabetes control um malnourishment so we're getting labs before they ever meet the orthopedic surgeon that's one of our new protocols and we're that's, getting an ekg yeah. and just trying to pick up on because there's nothing worse or more frustrating to patients than like the day of surgery, the day before, like, ooh, we need a cardiology right. consult. or Like, how does that happen? Right. This should be happening yeah. not even weeks before, but months in advance. True. People don't decide, True. I want my knee done tomorrow when it gets done tomorrow. It's a process. Right. And and plus, you know, when you are, like I said, in touch with every point, it makes it so much more efficient. Like, you know what's yeah. happening with that patient. The patients love this process. They love what they're expecting. They love watching the video, the introduction, I believe, when yeah. they go to your office. They learn about the whole procedure. Like, well, whoever I have seen as a follow-up, they have been really, like, wowed by your practice. Oh. So well, it's, well, thank it's you amazing. for the, the kind words. And Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> hats off to you because I have a tremendous amount of respect, admiration for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, your partner, Dave Huttle, all of your partners, you have an amazing practice. You do. Um, I love, again, your niches, but you're doing what you love and you're doing it really, really well. And that's like the beauty of things is like when people really enjoy what they do, they tend to do it really well. And then it's it's that cycle again. Then you enjoy it more because Absolutely. your patients are happier. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel lucky to be in that practice. Like that's one of the reasons I never feel stressed or thankfully burnout yeah <laughs> yet <laughs> yeah it's doing things with people that you enjoy right. doing it with right, right? Yeah, so absolutely. well thank you so much for joining thank us you. taking time so it's a wednesday evening um you're taking time away from your family so i, I want to <laughs> again applaud you for everything you've done personally professionally and yeah, this, this means was a lot. great thanks for having me sharing Wonderful. your story yeah absolutely this was great thank you yeah so stay tuned. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to show you a little teaser for next week's guest here in a little bit. But as always, I want to thank everybody. Make sure that you subscribe. Archana, make sure you share this with your friends. Tell them to subscribe. Leave comments, leave suggestions, leave requests. I honestly got my first email request of somebody that thinks I should have this particular guest. Cool. Bring oh, wow. them on. That's great. Yeah. That's and it's wonderful. actually the father of one of my friends. 
And he suggested a person. I'm not going to say any names yet Uh because I would like to approach them and ask them. Um, But a person I never would have thought of. And I may ask this person and they may say, no way, no how. But as we talked earlier, (laughs) right, you don't know until you try. That's true. Ask that question. So stay tuned. Trailer coming up next. And we'll see you next week. Have a great one. Well, first off, I want to say that um, if I had my warm up, I might fit around my arm right now. At this point, right? This is tight. (laughs) We've all gotten bigger. This is tight, so don't don't let it fool you. No, no, not at all, not at all. I can. It's it's a little cold in here, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, the gloves are off. This is going to be a good episode, by the way. It was that year. I was I was a freshman, and you were a sophomore, and we were we were playing at Union City, and at that time, um, I don't think either of us made it into the rotation quite yet, and we're you know the JV game was over or whatever, and we're sitting there and we're watching the varsity game, and and Ashley Orris starts lighting it up, and I, the whole time we're like we're like he, he, there's no way he's gonna he's, he's, he's he, he didn't just take that shot. Was this the game where he scored forty nine points yes, on us? Yes, yes, yeah, he scored forty nine. And literally, I remember at the end of the game, we're both looking at each other like, "What do you think he had?" And we're, I'm like, I'm, you know, you looked at me, you're like, "I bet you he had twenty five. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I bet you he had twenty, maybe maybe twenty seven. And then we saw the box score. <laughs> we're off by 20, 20 almost 25 yeah. points what opportunity because you know opportunities are all about timing sometimes timing doesn't work timing is actually probably one of the most important things that i, I think timing's everything <laughs> right so so um what opportunity did you miss out on that you regret oh gosh the nba <laughs> well that wasn't a timing problem buddy i i love you and all but that wasn't a timing issue <laughs> it was um you know i wasn't quick enough i wasn't fast enough i couldn't jump high enough it was just timing yeah, you know yeah, i exactly, hit my exactly. i hit my peak a little later ryan yeah you just didn't realize that well just look down give me four days
tell me all about it, Doc. <laughs>